0: Hello, everybody. This is Wes Woodbury with Fundamental Games, and we're here today with another Kickstarter journey. And today we have with us Matthew, who is representing Canine Clipdomaniacs from Golden Glinty Games. Hello, Matthew. How are you? I'm good.
1: Thank you, Wes. Yeah, uh, just just got up out of bed and um, got my coffee, so I'm feeling quite perky.
0: Fantastic. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Matt's actually from the UK and I'm from Canada. So we are literally um, half a day apart. It's 1130 a.m. here and it's about 630 a.m. where he is. So if either of us seem a little tired, that's probably. (laughs) Now, I'm going to share with you a little bit of information about Matt's game. Uh, But uh, keep in mind that Matt also made this with his family, and he'll talk a bit about that during our discussion here. Um, But Canine Kleptomaniacs is a game about dogs stealing stuff just in a card game. And so they pilfer their way to doggy victory in a quirky, lighthearted, all ages card game that mixes set collection, trading, hand management, and takes that gameplay with pooch related silliness and skullduggery. So it's quite the description they had there. And um, this game actually raised. $9,000 $9,000 US on a goal of 5500 So they made about 40% more than the original funding goal. And they sold, well, they had 332 backers. And um, just a fairly successful campaign. It's a, a first game for this family and this company. And just really cool to have a chance to talk about kind of a different perspective. Because uh, often we talk about individual creators or uh, board game companies where, as Matt and his family uh, created this for different reasons and just happened to turn to Kickstarter. So maybe Matt, tell us a little bit about what, how your game originated and what actually made you decide to go with Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, well, it, I was I was doing a bit of preparation and and looking back at our sort of timeline for this for this project really, and and, and it all kicked off in maybe uh, the summer of 2016 um, when we were on a family holiday in our caravan. Um, and as usual in the UK if you've not been before it, it, you'll uh, discover that it rains quite a lot in the UK That's so we great. were trapped in our so we were trapped in our caravan and um, I, I'd been sort of frustrated by the amount of time the children are spending on screens um, and uh, I said right you know we're not we're going to put the screens away and we're going to we're going to make up a game and um and it was obvious to me what the theme should be because we have we have um, well at that stage we just had one dog we've now got two but yeah. our, our pet spaniel was a compulsive stealer of of things and I, I, I find it both funny and frustrating at the same time but I thought mm-hmm. this must be something that other people um, experience and I thought well, let's, let's make a game a silly game based around that premise and and really from that over the next couple of summer holidays we sort of scribbled on bits of paper together on holiday when we could snatch some time um and uh, my son discovered um an amazing talent for doing drawings using illustrator Um, and and so so began us sort of the, the design process um and yeah we never intended it to be um something that we w- would publish but we started to when we got to a point where we could play it with friends uh we started to see that they were really enjoying it and then um, they said oh could I borrow the game uh and um I said well we've only got one copy <laughs> so so we made a so we made our first prototype we then distributed that to friends and then they shared it with other friends and the feedback we were getting was this is really good fun everyone's enjoying it yeah, so yeah. we started to build a bit of confidence and then we started to look at well if, if are we going to take this seriously um kickstarter was obviously in the equation it's very much a u.s in our mindset coming from the uk yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it was very much uh kind of like, okay this is something in the u.s but we started to look around facebook groups and so on and get start to think well this is quite a good way of testing our our game more widely you know if, if, we're, if we're successful great if we're not we haven't lost anything so it seemed to us like a logical place to go to kind of take that next step
0: yeah it's really interesting that you had this whole game created in multiple copies of it before you even thought to put it into any kind of publication that's really neat and um there's over 140 cards in the game and you say all the designs were done by your son yeah my son
1: um He's he's uh he's currently um, at uni and he's studying film. Um, but he's always been quite creative. He's enjoyed photography and, you know, he's had a creative side to him. But uh, he'd never used. So he 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 was used to using uh, editing software or this sort of you know um, stuff, but he'd never used uh, Illustrator. Um, and we just started to fiddle around with some basic drawings and we kind of stumbled on this style when my middle son um did a little drawing on a on a piece of paper of a squirrel uh in a kind of very childlike kind of way but it we we all found it very endearing and funny and so mm-hmm. that kind of set the tone for what we you know the artwork which is quite sort of it's got its own kind of style um and 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 he t- and he sort of just went with it and and got more and more confident enjoyed doing it and so we just rolled out a whole heap of different designs for for all these different cards
0: yeah, it's it's a very cute looking game. I mean, it's got that fun cartoony thing, image to it. And actually, what one of the things I love as I look at your Kickstarter page is throughout the page, you have this funny little dog paw that just goes forth and back, back and forth and stealing cards. So it's you've got the theme just built right into it, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, we we and we've got little cutesy faces on on all the uh, the collectible items uh, in the game, and uh, yeah, it's it's we wanted to really hang on to a fi- a feeling once we'd caught it at the beginning. We just wanted to kind of hold on to that and carry that through. Yeah.
0: Now, when we look at your your goal, I mean, you never had an intention to mass produce, but once you did, you ended up having to, when you go on Kickstarter, you have to develop a funding goal. Uh, So your funding goal was 5500 and I was curious what kind of thoughts you put into that, how many you intended to originally produce, and if you were planning to make a profit off it or just break even or lose a few dollars and just hope it did well.
1: Yeah, I think the last the last one was, you know, if if we'd um, lost a few dollars or pounds in our case, uh, uh, we'd have been OK with that. We at this point, it was it was much more a case of wanting to sh- sort of show the, the kids uh, who'd been involved in this process that we would carry it through. I sort of said, right, once we once we've determined to do it, we'll do it. Um, and, you know, if we if we said it, we said it at 5000, we were going to produce it in the UK originally at a fairly low print run but obviously as as you appreciate uh producing stuff at a low print run uh carries a sort of higher cost per unit and so Uh, on um you know this whole process has been a massive learning curve for us um but so we set it at five thousand. realistically we you know once we started getting into it we started to see that it was going quite well we, we you know we thought it'd be great if we could get to that 7,000 mark and then we could really sort of go for a proper decent sized print run and it would give us the confidence to do that. So we sort of, you know, during the campaign, we kind of, we'd we'd already got quotes from various places and people at different levels. And so we were able to kind of go, right, yeah, we've got the confidence to go for the bigger print run now. Um, It's going to cost us more, but we're confident that we've got the, you know, um, the feedback and the interest in the game. Um, but yeah, we always wanted to keep it modest, um, so that it didn't get out of hand. Um, and, uh, we never expected it to go crazy cause we didn't have a lot, large budget for, for marketing or, or promoting the game either. So,
0: yeah. And, not, and not... did you end up, uh, producing more than the backer amount? Like, did you end up producing an extra couple hundred that you're still planning to sell once the backers have their copies?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've, we've actually gone for a print run of 3000, um, nice. and, um, you know that that came about really because of um, wanting to. Well, we wanted to up the quality of you know across the board, um, but also because of the success, because of the feedback during the campaign, we we just had the confidence that we could this game you know will will sell afterwards. You know we, we're we're pretty confident that there's a good market for it.
0: Yes, yeah, so we'll make sure you give me a link to where people might be able to still get your game once you have them. And I'm, from what I understand, we were talking a little bit before. Um, these games are already produced. They're on a boat or on a on a pallet on their way to you to be distributed uh, not too long from now. So that's exciting news for the backers. I'm sure you've already given them an update, which we'll talk about in a little bit here.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. I've been tracking them, tracking the boats online, which you can do these yeah. days. You can follow them across Excellent. the oceans.
0: Now, one of the things that most Kickstarter projects have is stretch goals as you exceed goals. But uh, I noticed with yours, I didn't see any on there. So what was your decision to not include stretch goals? And did you get challenged at all by any of your backers about that? Uh,
1: interestingly, because we were kind of pretty much upfront about it in our on our campaign page, um, we, 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 we emphasized this is our first Kickstarter campaign. Um, you know, we don't want to... Um, we don't want to become unwieldy and difficult to manage and deliver. Um, we'd already, because of the, you know, how far we were with the design of it, we were quite happy that it worked and it had integrity as it was. Um, right. And we, we we pretty much st- stressed that right at the beginning. Um, and it was on our campaign page. And I think, you know, we didn't have any, any feedback really um, challenging us saying, why haven't you got stretch goals? But what we did say was that, you know, as the campaign went on, uh you know we were looking to to get a bigger print run to upgrade the quality anyway um um, and that's exactly what we did you know um the the, the specs in a way
0: you almost had a stretch goal without formally putting it on your page it was kind of just dependent on how much funding and you got at the end
1: Uh, absolutely yeah it just seemed to us You know, being first timers not, you know, and actually it is it is a very difficult thing. I know it's a very simple game, but, you know, you start to add components and different elements and other sort of stretch goals. It can distract, I think, we felt for us, it could distract us from the main goal of just delivering this, you know, this game.
0: Yeah. And even when I was looking at your components, so your game comes with cards, the rule book, the box, but it also includes one die. And as yeah. soon as you add a single die, you completely change the dynamics of packaging and shipping. It's amazing how much uh, a single component can make a difference. So I'm sure you guys realized as you were producing the game, but that must have been a valuable component for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was that uh, we wanted to sort of have a little bit of variety and some sort of mini games that go on within the game. And, and the die yeah. rolling is just part of that sort of dynamic.
0: Great. And uh, when I was looking at your funding trends, one of the, usually in um, just, I've I've seen a lot of these Kickstarters, often it'll be a a big splurge at the beginning. There's a huge trough in the middle and then there's a big spike at the end. And I noticed with your campaign, um, you basically found $5,000 worth of backers US anyway in the first four days of the campaign. And then every day from then on, even at the end, it was um, along the lower side, anywhere from a hundred to $300. So what do you think might have been different about your campaign that wouldn't have had the spike at the end?
1: That's a really interesting question. I'm looking at the graph at the moment. Um, Well, firstly, we were sort of, I think the inclusion of a, um, we had various, obviously various reward tiers. And what we decided to do is include one tier where um, people, dog owners could have their dog feature in the game. Um, and yes. you know that they would be illustrated, and they would become one of the characters that you can play with in the game. And you know we we pitched that at about two hundred pounds. Um, I don't know what that is in dollars, but um, we pitched that at that sort of level. And very quickly that gave us sort of momentum at the beginning because people were very keen to get in because there were only eight uh, eight of those um, rewards. So that gave us a pretty good um, lift at the, at the beginning. We'd, we'd also Um, perhaps we'll talk about marketing a bit later but we'd also put a little bit of effort into that first 48 hours to try you know having read around we kind of understood that if you don't really get shifting quickly within the first 48 it's going to hamper your campaign Um, then as to why it carried on steadily just going up and didn't I mean, it felt like it flatlined. To be honest, there were you know days when it just. In fact, there's one day when it went backwards as someone pulled out, and then you know, yeah, yeah. so you had that, you had those little hiccups along the way. Um, but then towards the end, I think we'd sort of, we'd carried on sort of putting up information. We kept our updates and and talking to, to backers. Um, weirdly, we had we had some sort of, um, we had reviews sort of still coming in that we were sharing on our social media those things might have made a difference towards the end um you know we we actually saw that we had a lot of people um following us you know watching who hadn't yet sort of committed um and we had quite a good um conversion rate um i I think it's quite good it was 18 percent in the end um yeah so one out of five followers yeah 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 so that seemed to be quite you know quite positive as well um but yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't sort of analyzed it in in forensic detail, but I think those are the main sort of factors.
0: Yeah, and like you said, that uh, those custom dog cards, those are pretty unique, and not every campaign can include custom pieces, so it's very neat that you're able to do that. And hopefully, the people that did that are, are satisfied with the the dog images that they get, and that becomes part of everybody else's game that gets it. So that's really neat. Uh, the other thing I noticed about your campaign is you had. Uh, significantly high number of first-time backers so i'm guessing that may have something to do with um, just the nature of your game where it being dog-based and uh, comedic based um, where do you think you found those first-time backers that have never used kickstarter before there were 87 of them
1: yeah that was it, it was an interesting challenge as i said you know from the uk perspective you know Kickstarter is not as well known, obviously, as it is in, in the US and in Canada. Um, but basically, um, we so we tried hard to kind of make people aware of what Kickstarter was when we were talking and when we were meeting people. Um, we, we actually visited the UK Games Expo, where I think quite a few backers came from because um, uh, we had the opportunity to play the game um, during that event um we had obviously our our friends and friends of friends um were kind of part of this process and we 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 made you know we made sure that we explained what kickstarter was because it you know it it was not familiar to a lot of a lot of of these people um and i think just the nature of the game as you say the nature of the game uh it's we thought well it's not a gamer's game at all um interestingly the feedback we got uh, particularly at the UK Games Expo, from from you know regular keen gamers, was that actually as a filler yeah. game, they they loved it because it's very easy to teach someone if they're bringing it along to their gaming group. Um, it's you know it's, it takes you to like ten minutes to learn it, something like that. Um, it doesn't last very long; it's kind of fifteen twenty minutes. It's got lots of social interaction and silliness. So um, I, I think that's probably where the first you know where they appeal to the sort of the non-gaming um, first-time um, people
0: probably resides. yeah yeah so f- for anybody that is making a new project if you have the type of game that could appeal to non-hobbyist gamers they will have no idea what kickstarter is or that people even use it or that they can buy a game now and not get it for six months uh, so it's a really good way to get initial backers is if you can share that message early on and teach people what kickstarter is and how they can they don't even pay the money unless the game funds that can go a long way to getting that initial backer count So, or doing at a convention, like you mentioned, uh, can go a long way as well. So uh, great to see that in your campaign. I've only seen that high of a number in one other campaign. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, just significantly high that a quarter of your backers just had never even heard of Kickstarter before or never used it. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned marketing and advertising, and I noticed on your game you had – a couple of quotes there i think when i added them up you had about eight different quotes from people that have played the game whether they were official game reviewers or not uh, but you also had three review videos so did you end up uh, doing paid videos or unpaid videos and what do you feel about the the whole marketing through videos of people other than yourselves
1: yeah i mean it was a, it it was a very important part of the process to try and get the game in front of you know experienced reviewers so that you know we we all we felt we needed that kind of um uh that affirmation that the game was you know that it wasn't just us getting over excited and and uh right. you know as, as as you might do with your own project um so it was really important to find those those people and it, it took us a while to to get sort of response but um we did pay for the um never board gaming um review um, and, but I, you know, I, that came with, you know, an exposure to a potentially a, a large group of followers on, on, on their social media platforms. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd researched and looked at the kind of quality of their production of their, of their feature pieces. And, you know, they, they seemed a good fit because they're quite fun and, um, you know they they have a good bit good a bit of banter going between them and we wanted to have that reflecting because we felt that reflected the character of the game the sort of the silly the silly banter and that was quite important for us so I think it was worth us spending some money on on that and it wasn't a huge amount I won't divulge what it is but it wasn't a huge amount um, uh, we also had um, you know more locally to us in the UK we had um, uh, a group. Uh, called the hairy game lords um who are yeah, all fantastic and, and you know these are all serious gamers they they play tons and tons and tons of games and they generally had a you know genuinely had a blast playing the game so that was a real positive for us um we did have one instance where we had a um a review come back and uh for some reason they got hung up on um on on some of the cards on some of the designs on the cards which they felt were inappropriate for the age group um in a way in a perverse way and it wasn't our expectation we didn't you know we 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 basically took that back to our you know developing community and we said look we've had this comment and um we want to get your opinion you know we, we want to make this game ensure that this game is entirely family appropriate it's, it's always been our intention to do that but actually that we we took it actually to um i think it was board game spotlight group um, yeah, yeah. facebook group and um it it, it it developed into a bit of a storm uh, over the course of 24 hours of sort of feedback and different opinions. And, you know, I, I'm pretty certain that that did two things. It it probably drove one or two <laughs> people away from us, but I bet yeah. you probably it brought more people to us than we would otherwise have had. I'm not suggesting you that, that as a strategy, but it's just an interesting observation that even something that seems like negative press can actually work. Uh, you know in this instance it did work in our favor and we changed the cards even though we didn't think there was anything wrong with them and a lot of people other people didn't we we still responded to that um so yeah um
0: in in american media i mean i believe the phrase goes there's no such thing as bad publicity so in a way you're saying that and when i was looking through your campaign like you had about 100 comments from backers But um, probably 40%, maybe even half of them, were related to that very topic. And that was interesting. Um, And it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you based on your campaign is, there are times that will happen in these crowdfunded campaigns that are entirely based on social interactions and, and perspectives that people will voice their opinions and they will be quite loud about them. And when it comes to defending your game, how did you feel that the community did to support you right within the Kickstarter, let alone in other social media groups? Do you feel that... Um, there is still enough positive momentum to keep the game as you originally intended, or did you have to do drastic changes based on that feedback?
1: That's a really interesting question. I, if, if I'm honest, one of the, the scariest bits for us, as a as a complete family of novices, you know, uh, not 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 really that versed in social media, one of the biggest fears of going public and and bringing this game was was that we would be slated, that we would have you know negative comments uh you know and actually you know we haven't hardened ourselves up to take you know to to be able to take that um what we were surprised by really was just the overwhelming kind of positivity and support um and you know when that particular you know perhaps we could call it knicker gate because it was all about (laughs) a card that had some knickers on it um but you know when that cropped up the, there was a lot of rallying and support from from the backers. The majority of our existing backers said, I, you know, I wouldn't have backed it if I thought there was a problem. You know, don't be silly. You can't listen to everybody. Um, you know, stick to your guns, you know, maintain your, you know, what you want out of the game. It's your game. There's plenty of other people. Those kind of comments came through. Um, and actually we, from the board game spotlight kind of experience, we, we, had, we listened to a couple of sage voices who said, look, you know whether you think it's right or wrong you're trying to get the 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 biggest market for your game there's enough here to concern you to to think about changing it and actually it didn't affect the gameplay uh what we came up with was rather rather more amusing uh and um actually you know i think actually in the end worked better for us so uh i was quite grateful to those reviewers who kind of uh you know, took took to slating the, the this particular aspect because it made us look at it and think, okay, is there something here we haven't spotted? Uh, and also, yeah. just one lesson I would learn from this, which I'd like to mention, is basically what what what's acceptable maybe in the UK is different to what's acceptable maybe in the US and in Canada. Um, and you know, that cultural diff there is a cultural difference, and uh, we yeah. we we discovered it <laughs> through this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's not not gargantuan, but once it creeps up, it depends how, I don't know if you want to say left wing, right wing, or how reserved or how open people are, Um, but you definitely will touch base on those that are sensitive to it. So no, I think you guys handled it quite well. I'd seen it on um, Facebook. I'd seen it on your Kickstarter when I was following that. Um, And as you mentioned, your wife, Joanna, um, helped defend that as well. And um, it was just very well done. And I think you're, I commend your company for it. And if somebody could learn something from how to handle negative publicity in a Kickstarter campaign, that's uh, certainly something they could look back on your comments and see how you responded to different people and how you respected their opinions and just did your best to navigate through that. So, Thank well you, done. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Now, when it, one of the things I noticed, and going back to the, your kind of your pledge tiers, is you actually had 24 people back your game for the four-copy tier. And it's not often you see a four-copy tier. Often you see an individual copy, or you see a deluxe copy, or you see a retail pledge that's kind of uh, an unknown quantity. So what made you decide to do a four-copy tier, and why do you think you got so many backers for that particular pledge level when most people only want one game?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we I think we we felt that um, it, it might this game might have appeal to um, owners of board game cafes maybe because of the nature of the game being quite sociable and fun and interactive and easy to teach and and, and learn um, and I think in our mindset uh, we thought you know maybe that that would be an appealing thing to be able to buy a, um, a few maybe uh, we also thought that people might because of the size of the game and because it's not you Know it's not very expensive. We thought actually maybe it's sort of the sort of thing that people might like to buy for their family and friends as kind of gifts. Um, and so really, those are the two sort of main thought processes behind it. We didn't, we weren't really thinking of retailers, um, main majorly, but you know, there might have been some of our backers who are retailers who might just want to sort of check it out, uh, check the game out, and so on, but then they could have just bought one. So, I think it was. I think those are the two sort of main groups. And, um, uh, yeah, we just wanted to have a little bit of variety um, in the pledge levels. So, uh, and as I said, we wanted to keep it simple. We didn't want to, you know, create lots of versions of the game, which would, you know, we would find difficult to kind of navigate and control uh, as first-time creators.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't really a huge difference. I think there's a 10-pound difference between if you bought four individual or you bought a package of four. Um, but I think like you mentioned that opens up a possibility if it's a small enough game and it's a humor enough humor enough or broad enough concept that it's definitely giftable then this is a unique gift that you can't buy anywhere else and so if somebody thinks that's a good pledge level you you had the right audience for it and um, so for those listeners that are out there if you have a game that's um, very unique and might have that broader appeal that could be gifted to family members that's a cool tier that you offer that just gives them that feeling of savings so they may instead of just buying one game they may be like oh i know a couple of people that would like this game as well i'll go for that four tier or four game pledge or five game pledge or whatever um, level that you feel is appropriate so i like that you guys had that in your campaign and it showed that it worked i mean 24 people went for that pledge which is the equivalent of uh, basically 100 games sold
1: yeah, it's it's brilliant. I mean, we were we were we were pleasantly surprised by that by that um, how receptive people were to that that tier level. Yeah,
0: great. Um, now, I know you you did the the one small paid advertisement. Now, when it comes to social media, uh, and this will be the last question about marketing, but what do you feel other than the paid review had the biggest influence on marketing your game? Would it have been a Facebook ad you mentioned that maybe happened at the beginning would it be uh, Instagram or just talking to friends and family
1: you know we spent a lot of time before you know the the, the, the gestation period of this project is, is sort of about three years overall so you know we spent a lot of time once we once we'd made that decision to go with Kickstarter we 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 started to set up our social media you know uh started to use Instagram Facebook we didn't use Twitter um uh to start with um but but you know, we started to build a conversation. We went to various uh, local uh, games conferences. Um, we went to, as I said, the, the UK Games Expo was a you know a high point really. Um, so a lot of our own social media effort, um, you know, spending time contributing to and learning from other Facebook groups, and just so that our name was there, you know, that's you know whether people admit it or not that's that's what you do but you know we you actually have to contribute to those facebook groups you're in you can't just shamelessly market so we have you know we'd spent deliberately invested time in doing that and i think that was really important um, because some of our supporters and undoubtedly came from that Um, uh, we tried some local pr um, you know telling our story of how we came about the game but because, I think possibly because Kickstarter is not such a big thing, it, it kind of it fell on slightly deaf ears over here, which I was a bit surprised about. Um, but Facebook, yeah. face, Facebook ads, you know, we spent about 400 to £500, pounds, I seem to recall, uh, overall on Facebook uh, ads and promotions. Um if I'm honest, uh, I think I would want to get – next time, I would want to get a professional to help with the marketing, particularly the sort of how best to set up and target Facebook ads. It's not, it's not straightforward. It's quite hit and miss, and there's a lot of things that you – a lot of tricks that I think marketeers can play that we just don't know about, um, which can, yeah, can help. Yeah, I'm, lear-
0: I'm learning about those every day, and it's very <laughs> so surprising. Yeah. It's very surprising how they target and how long it takes to, for Facebook to create an, a usable audience that will actually react to your ads. And it's it's unreal what's behind the scenes of that. So you're right, uh, a paid marketer can go a long, long way. If it's a smaller scale game and you've built it up over the years, then you, you probably had enough to get your well, you did have enough to get yourself funded. But um, when it comes to those mass market games, they definitely have somebody that's professional that really knows how to manipulate audiences or has built up uh, a specific um, ad audience target that will somehow generate more backers. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Twi- Twitter. Interestingly, we hadn't, we didn't start out using Twitter at all. But, but sort of mid campaign during the flat period, I just thought, well, why aren't we, why aren't we on? You know, we had set up a Twitter account, but we just didn't use it. Um, and I just thought, well, yep. you know, this is another stream. And actually, we definitely made contact with a few more people through Twitter during the campaign um, as we sort of started to post things uh, on there as well.
0: Yeah. And the, the diff- main difference I found between Twitter and Facebook is that Facebook um, will seem more spammy if you if you go too often and too many groups. But Twitter, because so much activity happens on Twitter within a minute, like your entire feed could disappear. Um <laughs> Post every hour nobody would even really blink an eye right because it's just it's just so active compared to um if you post in a group in facebook people will single you out and say hey you're doing this too often so that's one of the yeah, neat things absolutely. about
1: it but, yeah absolutely
0: all right um now i know i mentioned when we were talking beforehand that you may have another project coming up that relates to canine kleptomaniacs can you tell me a bit about that
1: Yes, we, we, we pretty much developed it in parallel with the original uh, original game. And then we sort of obviously put it down to focus on, on the main game. But basically, uh, the the idea of Canine uh, Kleptomaniacs is that you're collecting sets of, sort of pants, socks, slippers, nappies, shoes uh, and trying to make sets of them in your hiding places um and once once things are in your hiding places they're safe and sound and we thought actually that, that's great and that's you know it, it works the game you know it works very well on that premise um but what if we actually had had it so that you could take from each other's hiding places and you could you know we can introduce some sort of James Bond gadget gadgets and we so we've got this uh this game pretty much in entirely developed but we're not you know, we're, our focus is on getting this game out, you know, and and, and getting interest in it first. But it's called we're yeah. going to call it covert covert ops, uh, and it's got lots of silly um, lots of silly cards, the electrosonic squeakertron, and um, you know, extendable lead version 2.0, and and all these sort of um, Uh, things that you maybe had found in the original game which you discover are actually uh, kind of crazy gadgets so the tennis ball which is the grotty ball in the first game opens up and is actually a kind of code busting device you know so we we just thought we'd play around with that silly um, silly idea of sort of mutts on a mission
0: that's excellent yeah and I I like the fact that you decided not to put that in your core campaign because you just wanted to see Will this even fund as is, and now you've got something to go to later down the road, especially since you've made 3,000 of them. Um, If you actually sell through the majority of those, then you've already got a built-in audience for an expansion, so excellent. Or alternatively, if you kickstart an expansion and you haven't sold through the initial set, then you can always include those uh and and that gives the great thing about kickstarter is you can always refer back to your old campaign you can touch base with your old backers so it's really neat how you can establish your own marketing campaign by touching base on your prior campaigns some companies use it a little too much but um uh, it's fun <laughs> for independent creators and just fun creations like this one to continue on that path
1: yeah yeah i'm hoping there'll be a um i'm hoping there'll be a receptivity to it i don't think we've quite got the um the stamina or the time at the moment to kind of consider putting it up in the the near future but it you know it's it's something that we've developed and <clears throat> once we get a bit of as you say generate a bit of interest in our in, in the base game then maybe we'll consider coming back to kickstarter for for a second a
0: second round yeah well with your product with canine kleptomaniacs you have proven that you have what it takes uh, your family has to think of a product to create it to share it to fund it and very soon going to deliver it so that alone is a great accomplishment it's an inspiration to others who just want to share things with the world um is there anything that you want to be you want your games to be remembered for or your family to be remembered for in this hobby world
1: uh i think probably it sounds a bit cheesy but yeah our, our goal in in this uh and what we found is is that it, it's just bringing fun and laughter and sociable interaction into people's lives and you know we've seen it time and time again with different age groups playing it uh, in different settings it just creates uh, stories uh reminiscences about people's dogs and what they've you know the sort of tricks they get up to or you know auntie mabel's dog uh and 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 so obviously for dog doggy people uh is there's a lot to chat about but even for non-dog owners <clears throat> you know everyone's got a dog story um and so we just love the idea of that being you know causing sort of family mirth and silliness and and, and actually giving people an excuse to put their screens away <laughs> so if, if, if we're remembered yeah. for anything that, that would be it
0: <laughs> awesome awesome and is there other games that you and your family play for fun is there are you a big board game family or just mainly card games or
1: you yeah, know, we, we were, we've always played a few games um, with the kids, um, very light games. But since kind of getting into this whole world and, and spending time in the Facebook groups and so on, we, we started to develop our own interest, actually. And we've started, like many board gamers, to to buy many more games than we could actually play. <laughs> um, you, and, you're falling into we, the we, vortex, aren't you? The vortex of doom. Yeah, no, we, we've... You know, we attended. We now attend various game conferences. We've been along to a few gaming groups, local gaming groups. Uh, we're still on the fairly light side, but you know, things like um, Azul, we'll enjoy that. Um, Terror Below, uh, which is the sort of um, the take, uh, board game take on Tremors, that brilliant film. Um, uh, Carcassonne, obviously. Uh, we we just backed Isle of Cats, which is a great a uh, great I've game. Heard
0: great things really... about that one, yes
1: yeah really enjoying playing that um my problem is once i start getting into a game i um i tend to overplay it and then the rest of the family kind of get get a little bit overwhelmed by it and um don't want to play it anymore uh, <laughs> uh Raider raiders of the north sea i think that's probably my favorite one at the moment from the uh renegade studios um that that uh that series of games involving sort of like the architects and paladins i love the artwork i love the star and i love that kind of worker placement um, mechanic and, and card drafting stuff that's it's all good fun so yeah starting to learn a renegade, few of the terms say again wes sorry
0: no i was saying renegade has put out some excellent stuff i really like what that company offers so
1: Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and the style of what they produce yeah. is
0: wonderful. Well, I uh, thank you again so much. Yeah, thank you again for joining me today, Matt. I hope that your Kickstarter journey with Canine Kleptomaniacs and our discussion about it can help inspire and educate some creators out there to keep working and trying to make their ideas turn into reality. Um, and really appreciate your time, Matt.
1: Thank you, Wes. I, I feel very honoured to be invited on to, to talk to you today.
0: Well, wonderful. And for those of you listening to the podcast, if there's one thing you can do to encourage and motivate other Kickstarter journeys like this one, just take a minute and a dollar or two and support a project that catches your eye today. We may not be able to buy all of the cool things that we see, but that little bit can help pad their bottom line and help move your product. Yeah help move their project in the right direction you can tell it's late at night (laughs) Um, but feel free to subscribe or follow and continue to hear other Kickstarter journeys there's some more great guests ready to share their stories with you and thank you Matt
1: keep up the good work Wes it's brilliant Um, thank you for the time